couple years ago, there were studies showing that by 2040, it could reach a trillion. A trillion. Just this year, the studies have been updated that we might get there by the end of this decade. Hey, Space Watchers. That is Christy Iacomini of Prime Movers Lab. My guest in the Space Cafe Radio on tour in Lausanne. Your channel about trends, great people and awesome conferences. I'm Torsten, publisher of Spacewatch.global. Beginning of May, I had the chance to attend the LEO Kinetic Space Safety Workshop at the EPFL, supported by AXA XL, LEO Labs, ClearSpace, Secure World Foundation and the EPFL eSpace Center. My name is Christy Iacomini. I'm the uh, Vice President of Engineering at Prime Movers Lab. We are a deep tech, hard tech venture capital firm. We invest in uh, science breakthrough companies and the prime movers, those entrepreneurs that have the ability to change the billions of lives. Obviously, orbital debris could change billions of lives for the not so good. So we have an interest in helping protect the space economy. That is one of our investment areas. We've got six vertical areas of investment, agriculture, energy, infrastructure, human augmentation, manufacturing, and transportation. And within transportation, that's where all of our space investment reside. We've got about a billion assets under management, and of that, 20% approximately is in space investment. So we're very, very excited about what the space economy is bringing. We talked about on the panel that the space economy, if you were to look at 2021, is about $370 billion. A couple years ago, there were studies showing that by 2040, it could reach a trillion. A trillion. Just this year, the studies have been updated that we might get there by the end of this decade. So it's been a huge acceleration in growing the space economy. And of course, that has investors completely excited. So much so that we're seeing the number of investors enter into space companies increased last year by about 60%. And the amount of money that they bring with them to inject into that economy also has been growing like crazy. The year prior, we hit an all-time high. And last year, we doubled it. So record $15 billion being injected for space startups. Where does this fantasy comes from to invest into these markets? It seems that you're a space geek. Obviously, you are excited. I can see you smile whenever you talk here. So tell us a bit more where that comes from, where your interest into space comes from. Oh, okay. So there's two questions you asked me yeah. there. My personal interest is, I've always been an aerospace engineer. <laughs> I have three degrees in aerospace engineering. I've been on what I would describe as a sabbatical for the last year, working with a venture capital firm. I'm their VP of engineering, overseeing the technical diligence that they do when they try to decide whether to fund a company or not. And then when we decide to fund a company, I help those companies grow their commercial product and scale it. Interesting to hear The description as a sabbatical for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've spent some time at NASA. Yeah. I spent some time in a small business myself doing my own technology development and flight hardware development. And then I spent some time at Blue Origin, the company founded by Jeff Bezos. The enthusiasm for investing in space is real based on 
actual data, and that is the cost of launch is just going down like crazy. The arrival of SpaceX has got it near, what, $1,000 a kilogram? I mean, that's, that's amazing for now everyday entrepreneurs to participate. The other thing that's exciting is because of, we call them super angels, the Jeff Bezos, the Elon Musk, the Sir Richard Branson, the Robert Bigelow, they are creating a new class of entrepreneurs. So as I discussed on the panel, no longer is it the day when somebody can show up with their bright, shiny degree and a great idea. They're actually coming with some experience. So the number of entrepreneurs that are feeling emboldened to go and create something great are increasing. But the quality is also increasing, which is exciting. Let's talk about the trends that you see for the foreseeable future. And I was really excited to hear a number of them are while you've been on the panel. Can you talk about that for our audience as well and maybe go into them? Yeah, we're seeing lots of exciting trends all over the place. I discussed the infrastructure that's required to build out. The launch vehicles are mid to small class launch vehicles are uh, a booming area. There's lots of competition, as I described. Some of them will fall to the wayside. Others will be successful. So we expect to see continuing activity in that area. Manufacturing satellites is growing even larger than the launch vehicle space. We're seeing entrepreneurs come to us with ideas about how to do it faster, how to do it less expensively, modular types of approach that they could click functionality together really quickly. Beyond that is what does that infrastructure produce? And that's the data, the application. And we're seeing double the opportunities in the data. So I'm talking about PNT, positioning, navigation, and timing, and how that's used for, say, your Google Map or ride sharing or ride hauling programs like Uber and Lyft. There's so many opportunity on the space data application side. We don't even know yet. It's like we're at the point when the Internet became a thing, And e-commerce became a huge thing, right? That's how I'm viewing this, the space infrastructure today. More trends? Yeah, more trends. Yes. On-orbit servicing is something that we're excited about, particularly because I am very passionate about protecting the space economy. We started looking at uh, real closely how to protect it. And orbit servicing is one way to do that by extending the life of a satellite by deorbiting it if it doesn't have the capability to, to get out of the way, to remove even little debris so that what's on orbit can't be threatened. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I'm excited about is commercial destinations. We've seen a lot of activity, as we all know. There is near space tourism with New Shepard and Virgin Galactic, and now we're starting to see commercial astronauts for hire, which is super interesting because uh, that opens up a new business model for people who want to get up into space and do research or explore how to make products. The locations are actually potentially coming online. Axiom has a contract with NASA. They're already working with NASA. They're going to build attached to the station, learn from that, operate, and detach. NASA just put in almost a half a billion dollars to subsidize three more companies to increase that competition and bring down the prices. And it's not so much that the commercial destination or business park, if you will, 
gets me excited. It's what that is now starting to spawn. We have many startups come to us and say, I'm talking to Axiom or I'm talking to Orbital Reef and I'm figuring out how me as a little small business can actually go and start my business in space on one of those commercial destinations in Leo. And then what's even more exciting is that startup is talking to another startup and they're starting to figure out partnerships between each other and they can lower their overall cost. And that includes countries that didn't have the chance to go to the ISS for doing the, the research. It's a pleasure to talk with Ron Livne from the Ramon Foundation about the Rakia mission or the recent one with AX1. And he told me this story from an Israeli point of view. And I have to say, I wasn't aware of that. But that includes the pride, the outreach, the, the education, the inspiration of another generation that was excluded. We are privileged in Europe, you're privileged in the US for having that access, but so many other countries, the majority of countries doesn't have it. Now we are here at a space debris workshop. Can that be a potential showstopper for all what you mentioned before? Well, it certainly can. That's why it's imperative that we address orbital debris. And that's why at Prime Movers Lab, we've made it a research focus for us. Is there an opportunity for us to deploy our capital and help a small business grow and help attack how to clean this up, this mess up. It's not something yet that I think is easily investable, if you will. Mm -hmm. There's been some amazing founders, very resourceful, very persuasive, that have come up with non-dilutive funding and even demonstration missions, which is incredibly exciting. And so we're very hopeful However, we have a fiduciary responsibility to our investors. We need a little bit more than maybe that one mission that gives us hope. We need more customer adoption. We, we see here in Switzerland, ClearSpace, we see AstroScale, which are great. But as you say, these are two companies and have not shown that they can do it. There's no proof that it will work. But we still have hundreds of satellites month by month are lifted into space. So we increase this problem even before we can start mitigating that. Mm -hmm. Who should invest? Who should finance these kind of activities that we have more of the clear spaces of the world? Well, one of the things that I've been advocating for, and I think many are as well, is, is for the nation states to take ownership of their junk. Quite bluntly, entities like LeoLab, they've published their top 50 and then their top 200. We know who those who those big debris-generating, high-risk debris-generating, dumb or dead assets that can't control themselves are, that if they're not removed, really could wreak havoc. So I think that would be a great way for states to say, I know what my junk is. Thank you, Leah Labs, for telling me. I'm going to go get it. I can do it because I have ownership. I'm liable anyway. I don't step on anybody's toes, and I give these companies more opportunities to set up their services, demonstrate that they can be successful, and give them multiple missions so they can start to build just a little bit more revenue. Mm. And then, parallel to that, having commercial-friendly regulations like we've been talking about on the panel that incentivizes companies then to buy into those services, be it through some sort of subscription service or a fine if you don't clean up your mess so that governments can go in and eventually continue to take care of problems. Let's do the reality check here. 
the list of Leo Labs is great and we know the assets, as you say. So who polluted the space so far? True. Russia, US, Europe have also uh, its stake or ESA has its stake in it uh, with one or two or China. So we have a geopolitical situation at the moment, which is tense to say it at least. <laughs> yeah. We are worse than in the Cold War. And I think that space diplomacy is at the moment the last thing that the parties are talking about, seeing all the actions of Russia, also on the ISS and, and all the aggressive wordings that happens with that. How realistic is to get these parties on board and make them not just reliable because those they are on paper, but in reality? I think there's two points to make here. One is we all can take ownership. doesn't matter what the political climate is. That's an easy first step to do without causing any more tense relations. East has been a wonderful example of that. United Kingdom is also stepping up. Japan is stepping up. The United States needs to do better stepping up. China, we saw them move one of their geo satellites into a graveyard. So even they are stepping up. So that's the first thing. We can't wait for international collaboration to be accountable for our own. So the second point would be that while we take ownership of our own, we should continue to endeavor to come up with regulations that are relatively consistent. One of my fears is that, and I think this is part of the issue, we regulate too fast, mm -hmm. too rigorously. We push business away from one nation to another, and it could end up in a nation that isn't as responsible as they should be. Thank you very much for this talk and hope to hear from you much more in the future. It was wonderful talking to you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to Space Cafe Radio on tour in Lausanne at the LEO Kinetic Space Safety Workshop at EPFL in cooperation with AXA XL, LEO Labs, ClearSpace, Secure World Foundation and the EPFL eSpace Center. If you want to stay on the pulse of space, visit our website our mothership at spacewatch.global and subscribe to our newsletters. But of course, don't forget to become a Space Watcher. I'm Thorsten Kreening, CEO and publisher of spacewatch.global, your independent perspective of space.